Now, this week's episode is kind of impromptu on my part, meaning that when I was up 30,000 feet in the air, while in catastrophizing mode, I had four eye-opening insights about social anxiety that I knew I had to share with you immediately. Welcome to the Your Worth Knowing Podcast. I'm your host, Roxana Alexandru from Honest Rocks, and I am obsessed with social anxiety. After a decade of trying to figure out how to manage it on my own, I'm on a mission now to share every little insight I've gained along the way. Every week, we'll get just a little bit closer to unraveling the mystery of it so you can live the best version of yourself because you are worth knowing. Let's get to it. Now, a few weeks ago, I was mentally preparing myself to go on a vacation to Florida where I used to live for about 20 years. Before leaving, I dreaded the trip so much that I couldn't see past the flight. All I wanted was to just land safely back home in the coziness of my house and live to tell the tale. And I did. And, you know, I even made a deal with the universe that if I made it back, I would set out to write a book this year. So, yeah, watch out for that one as well, or else karma is going to come back for me. If you haven't realized, yes. I have flying anxiety, really bad. After traveling to over 25 countries, you would think I'd be over it, but it's honestly gotten worse, especially after having kids. And to be honest, for this particular vacation, it went even further than flying anxiety. Because after having lived in Europe for more than two years, my use and need for a car has significantly diminished. So I haven't experienced driving anxiety in a while. But knowing that we were going back to Florida, which is honestly one of the worst states for driving, I had so many sleepless nights because I couldn't stop thinking about driving down the highway every day with my kids. Now, normally in the Netherlands, I spend about five hours a month in the car, just to give you an idea. And during our trip in Florida, just for 10 days, we were in the car for 30 hours. Now, granted, we went to Orlando, down to Miami. We were out and about. But my goodness, that is not a lifestyle I want to go back to. Anyway, let's table driving anxiety for another day and go back to flying anxiety. Before I let you in on the four eye-opening insights I had about social anxiety on the plane, I do want to give you some background first, just so you have an idea of what we're talking about. And I'm going to tell you that most of the thoughts that I had on the plane were not, oh, I don't like turbulence. It's more like, the plane can take a nosedive any second. I can't believe I'm going to die for Florida. My kids are so innocent in this. I am such a terrible mom. Those are the kind of thoughts that I had. I had to consistently remind myself that planes don't just fall out of the sky, that engineers stress test these planes under much harsher conditions, and that the plane is supposed to move like this and be flexible to withstand the pressure outside. Yes, I was trying to console myself through science. With science. And anyway, it worked for a while until the next time around when the seatbelt sign came on and turbulence would hit us. And I realized that the same goes for dealing with social anxiety. Chances are that you logically know what you should be doing, how you should be acting or not acting. And you're probably aware of the solution or the, you know, the solution to your triggers. Yet, no matter how much you want to be objective about it, The moment you run into an uncomfortable situation, you will revert back to your old habits. So in the plane, I tried a different strategy. And this time it worked so much better. 
what ended up working for me the most was narrating how I felt at any particular moment and flowing through it with acceptance, meaning that I observed and accepted my feelings for what they were without trying to change them. So during the turbulent moments and the freefall drops, I repeated certain statements to myself so that I would just feel a bit more calmer or at least not go into catastrophizing mode. Else, if I did, it would have been that much harder to pull myself out of it. So I was able to stay on top of my anxiety because I technically narrated my feelings back to myself. So for example, when we were in a steady, turbulent flow, I would say, I can handle this. I can handle this. I can handle this. Because I didn't feel the plane going down. When the turbulence would pick up and my stomach would drop a few times in a row, I would say, "Mm, I can't handle this. This is hard. I'm not feeling this. I can't handle it. Free of judgment. And these words, just telling myself that, held me back from going into an even darker place. So throughout the flight, I would just go back and forth on these statements. And I would look around and get courage from other passengers that were, for some reason, not impressed by the turbulence. I I mean, I felt like they knew something I didn't. Kind of like when you look at someone that's having an easy time having a conversation and they're all charismatic and it feels like they're hanging on to a secret formula that we will never have access to. So anyway, during the moments of calmness, I repeated other things as well. I said, I'm safe. I'm still here. I'm safe. I'm still here over and over. And while doing so, I realized that I was approaching my fear of flying the same way that I approached social anxiety at the beginning of my journey when I just didn't have any tools to manage it. Because when you don't know anything about social anxiety and you're going in blind, chances are you will have a harder time being comfortable with yourself. There's a reason why they say that knowledge is power. And I'm going to add a little bit to that and say that knowledge is power when it's applied. So I'm here to help you apply the strategies and advice that I have for you. I'm going to share a few of the insights that I had on this plane and hopefully impart that knowledge to you and you can do what you want with it. Now, the first thing that I realized is that you cannot wish yourself into being someone else. Duh. When you're unsure what to do and feel like there's an invisible force holding you back, you will automatically look around and see if other people are feeling it too. And when you see that they don't, you will think that there's something wrong with you, that you're the only one dealing with this. And then you'll wish that you had it as easy as they do. At the height of the turbulence, I looked around to see if anyone else around me thought that these were their last seconds also. Turns out it was, it was just me. It was just me freaking out. The passengers around me were just hanging out, chilling, sleeping, chatting among themselves while I tried to keep my cool with my two-year-old looking up at me and saying, Mama, help me, I'm falling. All I could wish for at that moment was to have the peace of mind that these people had, their knowledge, to calm me down. Yet, no matter how much I wished, for it. I wasn't them. I I couldn't simply just transplant myself in their shoes and just have my anxieties float away, right? So that was a huge like aha moment for me. The second insight that I, I had was that you can't skip putting in the effort. You can accept that or not. There are many tools and strategies to help you manage your social anxiety without 
wishing it away or wishing you were someone else, which is quite detrimental to your mental health. But they all involve significant effort. Managing my flying anxiety is possible if I'm willing to put in the time and effort. I've just decided that I'm going to grind my teeth and make it through the ride, or not, I guess, as best as I can, because I, I honestly don't travel that much. And I just don't have the time and space in my life to deal with just like another anxiety on top of it. But it is worth the time and effort to put into managing your social anxiety because unfortunately, our lives depend upon interacting with other people around us and needing them for things, I guess. And looking at all the other passengers, I was, I was not privy to the work that they've done to reach a state of calmness during turbulence. Maybe they were just great at hiding behind it or they have a great history with, with flying that makes them immune to it. And the same thing goes for when we see someone that's socially confident. We, we don't know how much work they've done to get to that point, whether or not they had to work through their trauma or social anxiety. We can assume that they did the work and that they put in the time and effort to improve themselves because no one is really born with charisma or social skills. Those are things that can be learned, right? And if you're at the point in your life where you're open to putting in the effort, I highly suggest you download my five quick ways to manage your social anxiety to get started. It's kind of like a starter guide. And I'm going to add a link in the episode notes for you to download that. Now, the third insight that I had on the plane was that you are the only one with visibility to the anxiety. Unless I was outright screaming that we were all about to crash into the massive ocean, no one would have known I was panicking inside. Isn't that strange? This whole time, I assumed everyone around me was composed and at ease during turbulence because that's what I could see from the outside. Yet, if you were to look at me, you would think the same thing. There was no indication in my person that I was on the verge of breaking down, although I was. I look like just any other cool cucumber on the plane. Most of the time, no one has a clue as to what's going on in your head. You think you're coming off too strong, too rude, too antisocial, and so on, while those around you probably believe that you're acting perfectly normal. Because what goes on inside does not reflect on the outside. Unless you display some physical symptoms, which we've talked about, but those have to be really prominent for someone to notice. And the cool thing, there is a cool thing about social anxiety, is that it mostly plays out in your mind. How is that cool, you ask? Well, it's cool because it means that you come off infinitely way better to others than you think you do, right? Which gets me to the last and final insight that emotions override objectivity. Logic can only take you so far before ingrained habits and old thought patterns reemerge. As I mentioned earlier, thinking about statistics, lift theory, and safety protocols did nothing, nothing to make me feel more at ease during turbulence. And the odds of being in an accident during a flight is apparently 1 in 1.2 million. And the chances of that accident being fatal is 1 in 11 million. And there are apparently 100,000 flights that take off and land every day, which if you estimate that, there are about half a million people up in the air at any given time. Which means that on average, there's 6 million people flying every single day. Now, I'm not that great in math and what I might say won't make sense. 
But if those are the numbers and the statistics and you're trying to make me feel better, all I'm going to think about is that there is a possibility that I am the unlucky one. And that is all I have to say. So you can throw all the logic at me and show me how low my chances are of a fiery death. But when that plane goes through turbulence and it drops, I'm going into catastrophizing mode. And by the way, your chances of dying in a car crash are 1 in 5,000. I thought I would you know, add that in and let you know since we're on the topic of fiery death. But similar to social anxiety, which, you know, we're bringing this back full circle, I can tell you how many people experience it. I can tell you how common yet invisible it is or, or how cognitive distortions play out in your mind. But unless you can genuinely dissociate from the thoughts and feelings you have about yourself and about your social anxiety, my efforts to convince you are futile. What helps, though, is experience, challenging your mindset, understanding yourself, and repeating that you can handle any social situation. Oh, and of course, listening to this podcast. Because, you know, by listening in and learning, you can experiment with different strategies that will be the best for you. As for me, you can imagine how elated I was when I landed back home. Feet on the ground, solid ground. And while, yes, we are planning some trips shortly, I will give myself a few weeks break before I return to dreading a vacation and wishing I was already home. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and if any of these insights about social anxiety make sense, what resonates with you, are you also terrified of flying? Let me know.